0: You are now tuned in to the Cosmic Camp Number one source for accurate, relevant, and thought-provoking astrological conversations in the podcast nation. The place where stars and
1: minds align. Peace.
2: You're now tuned into the Cosmic Convos Podcast. I'm your humbled host, Heru. And we got the man of the hour Brother Rod, how you doing?
0: Well, brother, enjoying life, taking it a day at a time, and enjoying the times and days that we live in. My brother, how about yourself?
2: Man, same here. Same here, man. Like grateful for every breath, you know, I take, and you know, get a get an opportunity to to wake up, man, and take another another good stab at this thing, you know, and whatnot. Indeed. But uh, before we get too far, man, I want to remind everybody that. This episode is brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group, Caliputra Astrology, and our good patrons over on Patreon. Special shout out to all the patrons out there. Um, thank you for your continued support. And um, you know, we got some. We definitely got some more stuff coming for you all, or whatnot. But um, you know, if you want to check out Push It Forward Media Group and Ninth Floor Films as well, you know, you can find us. You know, on Instagram at Push It Forward, that's P-U-S-H-I-T-F-W-D. Um, you can find Ninth Lord Films at Ninth Lord. That's nine, the number nine, T-H, Lord Films um, on Instagram and um, lord.com right? And um, Push It spelled just like the Insta, um, Instagram handle. Go there, check us out. Check out my new um, short film, The Long Way. Um, been getting a pretty good response on that. And uh, we got other things coming. Got a bunch of other little content. And this podcast is on PushItForward.com as well. So you could definitely tune in. That's another location for you to um, check out this podcast. Um, Brother Ra, how can other people get in touch with you?
0: Um, get in touch with me primarily just through Facebook or IG. Uh, check them raw on both of those. But definitely get a hold of me. Or you can hit me up on Parusha, astrology at gmail.com. Uh, either one of those would definitely get a hold of me.
2: Indeed, 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 man. So, um, yeah, man, we, we got a last episode, man, um, did pretty good, man. We got a lot of good feedback on that. You know, a lot of, you know, I think it was a real polished episode, you know, um, pretty timely, you know, Michael Max is definitely, you know, a legend. He still continues to impact the world and it's, you know, it was good to, you know, be able to, you know, kind of, um, share some of the, the details of his life according to his chart and everything like that. What do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I got everybody around here watching it. i watching the whole movie now, going back over, listening to the podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah, I see it. You know, I'm like, well, read the autobiography because the autobiography really expressly details his life in that regard. But uh, it is nice to just even see the fact that people are that I know are going back and just looking over a lot of his life events and really tying it into. To how the destiny reads so i i say it was an excellent show i got a lot of positive feedback as well i got some feedback that said maybe they didn't agree with everything i said but um i'm not here to be agreed with i'm just here to read the chart right so yeah what, what, what,
2: what was what was what was some what was some, uh, some
0: <laughs> um you know uh it wasn't expressed in the sense of what was the conjecture uh it was just expressed that there was not an eye to eye uh, perception of what was said, and I don't think it was necessarily maybe uh, what I said, maybe how I said. So because um, the facts remain what I stated. In fact, and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. I had a chance to watch the documentary. You did, yeah. And bruh, <laughs> everything in the chart made even more sense. That's what I told I was you, just man. Like wow, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's heavy. It was heavy. Definitely. Definitely. So, uh, but you know, I, I appreciate it, man. I, you know, um, everything serves to further, you know, so uh, I appreciate the feedback nonetheless. And it helps me even get a a bird's eye view from the fact that other people uh, still view him in in different lights. But, um, you know, nonetheless, still was a great episode, right? And this one will definitely, will definitely go down as one as well.
2: Indeed, indeed, man. You know, um I did want to say, man, before we jump jump all the way into this uh you know topic, man, it's just, you know, um the times, man. We we <laughs> you know, we, we you know we, we're gonna have to hit, hit one of those uh post checks again, man, because it's you know, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about in last season and in this season is just unraveling out here, you know, <laughs> man is is interesting man
0: <laughs> yeah we'll we'll do uh we'll do a pulse check next week um you know astrological pulse check because it really actually is a great time to do it because yeah. in fact today is you know hmm that's all right it still counts because we're gonna do one next week right we'll do it uh next week when it drops we'll do we'll have a pulse check because the one thing that we do want to mention uh, here, folks, that, you know, Mercury is going to go retrograde here, right? T- tomorrow. On Thursday, right? Tomorrow at 10.05 a.m., right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mountain standard, t- Mountain daylight time, whatever respect the time you're in. So it'll be 11.05 uh, Central Time, 12.05 Eastern, and what, 80, uh, 9.05 uh, uh, California Time, right? Yeah. So uh, Mercury goes retrograde tomorrow for a few weeks. This happens three times a year, folks. It's not panic time. It's just time to dot your I's and cross your T's, right? Get on your P's and Q's, as they say, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, Mars also enters in Pisces uh, tomorrow at 8.45 a.m. So it's kind of funny that both these planets are making some, some major shifts and some reorientations almost within about two hours' time frame. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it's good time to really have a good pulse check to review some things that we might have not paid attention to in the past six months, three months, one month, right? <clears throat> so uh, that's important. Uh, Venus goes direct, right? Next week on the twenty fifth at eight fifty five a.m. again, Mountain Daylight Time. Um, yeah. And so uh, again, you know, this is a time when you'll notice relationships are going to reorient. Right, love life is gonna reshift. Anything that you didn't deal with within the past retrograde cycle, within the past few weeks, right? And I'm gonna say few. Met, right, Venus has been retrograde for a nice period of time. If you haven't dealt with any issues in that regard, as far as relationships, social issues, in fact, you're noticing social issues right now, bounding uh, because this retro retrograde is about to slingshot forward directly. In fact, a few days after the eclipse. It's just funny how all of these little things are just lining up to show you that there's patterns that are ensuing where changes abounding. But nonetheless, the solar eclipse is the big piece, right? And it happens at 6 a.m. on June 21st, right, which is Sunday. Mm. And so all of these changes, and there's always changes, folks. Uh, Movements of the planets are happening all the time, you know. Um, But the thing is, is that they're all kind of coalescing into a moment. Uh, in a space right and when we come out of this space in the next 3 months in the next 6 months right you're going to notice points of sh- sh- another point other points of shifts other shifts and other points that are changing but September 21st is the equinox isn't it strange that we have an equinox that is the midpoint of the actual time when this particular thing will boil over in fact the midpoint happens to be simultaneously when flu season starts and i mentioned in other shows remember that time is a crucial time so yeah. just keeping notice, right, keeping a pulse check, keeping your eye to the sky, ears to the street, right, noticing what's going on around you, being cognizant, not allowing things to slip by as far as being the time to use, right, which we use the time wisely now because it seems like things are okay, everybody's back in business, but just wait. If you notice how things are, it's not going to be this way when that midpoint of the, of the uh, solstice or the equinox, excuse me, the, um, the midpoint of the uh, eclipse cycle happens, right? So, just keep, right, we're going to talk more about that on the pulse check next week, but just keep in mind, this week, folks, these things are happening, and keep in mind to be aware of being really cool, calm, and collective, meditative, introverted, I mean, introspective, um, and really focused on trying to refine yourself spiritually during that uh, solstice time, right? It's not some time to be afraid of or fearful, but it is a time to honor and respect because it is a, a rare occasion, even though it does happen.
2: Indeed. Indeed, man. Indeed. So, um, you know, uh, let's, let's go ahead and jump in, man. This is this is another show, man. Y'all been asking for since we the first episode. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed.
0: <laughs> Indeed. So this is one I've been waiting to do for a while because, um, you know, it's really uh, a topic that is popularized just by you know by way of Western culture and even the fact that now of course we're realizing that you know we're com- connected to the Kemetic legacy. Um, you know, the Great Pyramid stands as a testament to that legacy, right? Yeah. Um, and it's by far one of the, in fact, is considered one of the seventh wonders of the world. Well, we don't even have any seven the rest of the wonders we can't seem to find too
1: well
0: it's the the only wonder of the ancient world if you will um but you know the great pyramid you know stands the test of time in fact there's an old statement that says that the only thing that time fears is the pyramids right and um i mean shows that Long after these buildings here in this nation are were gone, the pyramids will still be there, right? When the society falls and asunder and a new one rises in its place, the pyramids will still be there, right? Uh, It's just not going to go anywhere for millions of years, folks. So, right, literally, is it? That's why they say, you know, the only thing that time fears is the pyramids themselves, and so. Um, you know, it was, it's so well built, such an exquisite uh, work of so many different things, of art, of scientific engineering, of um, astro, astro, astronomical expertise, mathematical expertise. I mean, the, the Great Pyramid is a panacea uh, of so many different sciences and different um, levels of knowledge. It's just you could study it for lifetimes and still not have cracked the surface of its knowledge. In fact, that's why they can't build it right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they tried to do it. They duplicated as much as they can. Um there's a good uh um couple of things to check out. I'm not a, saying I'm in agreement with it completely, but it does have some things to um uh, remunerate and kind of uh, exaggerate on. Uh, with regards to the sciences of the Great Pyramid. One of them is called the Great uh, the Giza Power Plant. I'm not an advocate of the theory so-called behind what he proclaims all the way. I say that probably is, so, some of it is right. But well, that's one of the books you can check out is the Great Pyramid. Pier- uh, the, the, uh, I'm trying to think of, it as in, of the guy's name. It'll come to me in a minute. The Giza Power Plant is one. And then there's another uh no i are talking Dunn. about Michael Dunn that's his name yeah um and then um there is uh, another uh great uh piece of work to re- uh, research uh, and that is the um uh the great pyramid decoded and uh, by uh Peter Lemieux, I think two great reads right definitely should have in your archives if you are uh uh, lover of of ancient Kemet, or uh, you know, try to practice anything that has to do with any ancient Kemet. Those are two great books you should have on your shelf. But you should also research, and this is there's not a book I would think I would think there's a book about him, but there's a lot of information. Uh, Ed Leaskalin, right? Check him out, and Ed Leaskalin is purported. In fact, it's not purported. He really did build uh, a place called Coral Castle in Florida. And um, Coral Castle, it was built by himself. By he built it alone, right? I mean, there's people that testify to this stuff. This is, and this is in the uh, the 20th century. So check out Ed LeScalin. He claims to say, "I have the secret to how the ancient Egyptians built the pyramids." Right? And uh, I would have to say, I would at least lend him some credit because I don't think many of us could lift five uh, a five ton stone by ourselves uh, in the middle of the night and then for, you know, someone the next day to come in and see this it's been placed there. I mean, you couldn't mm-hmm. even get you know a bunch of men to do that uh, with, let alone with precision. So uh, check out at least Glenn, check out the Giza power plant and definitely check out the uh, uh, great pyramid decoded. Now, a lot of these books are Westernized European, you know, perspectives, but they do have some very important information like the fact that, the pyramid is like a, a large crystal. In fact, this is proven that the uh, many of the blocks inside the pyramid uh, are made of con- have made of concrete that are made of sand shells, um, seashells. Um, yeah. and so I mean, considering we knew how to make concrete, you know, five thousand years ago. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. shows the the testament of the advancement. And the technological uh, ability of the ancient Egyptians, but nonetheless, really getting into the show, uh, the the technical name, right? And you know, there's a few conjectures out there, but I would say uh, it is probably the closest to correct. Uh, the proper name is uh, Merkut, right, uh, for uh, the Great Pyramid. Now, the word pyramid, literally, if you break it down, is very simple, right? It's pyra, pyra. Right, like pyro, right. Same, similar root, same sound, same phon- um, phonetic value, right? Yeah. Pyre pyre, right? Pyro, pyra, and then mid, which is obviously the middle. Now, I'm not too sure if you listen, if you can catch what was said, but they're basically saying that hey, this thing I saw had some fire in the middle,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not on the outside. <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. You can't see in the middle of the object. So someone told someone or had an idea about something maybe, right? Was actually correct. Right? Yeah. Uh, and you know, to the Greeks, everything is fire. There is light, light, right? <laughs> 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 Right, you see, light is fire, right? Then better, what kind of light it is, because you haven't been told there's different kinds of light, right? Or fire is a type of light, or produces light rather. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, someone had maybe an idea of naming it correctly to some degree, right? Because um, the way it's structured and the way it's designed actually is there to harness light, right? Yeah, and right, myrrh, right? Most people don't know, like myrrh, right? The word myrrh in Kemet, right? Uh, we don't say love, right? If you hear the word "tamari," right? Right? That's one of the names of Kemet. Kemet has many names, right? Uh, tanahisi, right? But "tamari," right, is the beloved land or beloved yeah. land or the land that is beloved or we love this land or we love where we're from. Like, you know, people, our, our people are no different than who we are now, right? Everyone loves their hood, they're, 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 where they're from, right? Everyone loves yeah. their team, right? It's the same thing. They yeah. love the land. They love the uh, the abundance of the land. They love the, the smell of the land. I don't know if, you, if you're from, wherever you're from, like I'm from Denver, right? So when I grew up, I can smell when the seasons will come. Like literally I can smell when spring will come, fall will come. I knew that it was the different smell in the air. Just from being there for so long, you can you know the differences in the seasons. If someone dropped me off, I can smell say, yep, not because of the heat, but because literally the land produces a different aura each each season, you know, each each change, right? So yeah. that connection to the land is crucial and Tomary is they literally were saying that this is our loved land or our loved uh, place where we reside, and so Mary is the key word, right? And Mer is the root in Marie. What well, we said, beloved, right? So Mer is love, right? It's the equivalent of what we would call the quote-unquote word love. And remember, this is a Greek word we're using, which has about four different connotations, other than what you would probably think is eros, right? Which is um, right? Uh, conjugal love, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the word love, right, in the sense of what we're talking about, remember um, the the principle of, uh, the mercurial principle, what we call onpu, Apuat Sebek, different names for the same thing, right? Eshu Elegwa, right? Opens doors and closes doors. So not understanding that key word gives you a misunderstanding of what we're talking about. But the symbol shows you the reality behind the word, and the symbol is an actual backhoe which we use to cultivate the land. So literally the, the word for pyramid, the proper word in Kemet is mer, which means to cultivate, right? Or if you're cultivating something, you're harnessing it as well, right? You're controlling it. You're manipulating it. And ku is light. Well, ku, koot, kahoot, koot is light that is encapsulated or light is in the physical sense, Ku is in the light of a en- sense of enlightenment, like as in you are a bright person, but kūt right? Kahoot is in the sense of light, physical light, right? That's how you know because the t ending manifests as an essence or physicality of something, meaning almost as if it's tangible. Yeah, light is tangible, right? Because you obviously can reflect light, you can change light's color, right? It's manipulatable. So mer. Is the cultivation or the harnessing of light. That's what the pyramid is. The name tells you, right? So we don't have to conjecture about all the other stuff. We know basically, right, it's a large machine that harnesses light. Now, what kind of light? We'll talk about that in a minute, right? But when people say, what about the Giza Power Plant? We built things to have multiple functions. We don't have to necessarily build something to do one thing; it can do multiple things at once, right? Yeah. So, talking about the the, the, the Merkut right the pyramid, right? Um, there's conjecture about when it's built, and I'm not going to get into when and how long uh, the time frames. Right? Um, some people say it was built, you know, before the dynastic rule, and that the dynastic rule reconditioned and re constructed it to some degree i would beg to differ Mm -hmm. right uh i think it was built during when they said it was built (laughs) um we have records that show emphatically it was built during the first during the uh fifth fourth third fourth fifth third fourth and fifth dynasties um so that's no mystery right but yeah the science of how it was built is The reason of how it was built is right and literally why doesn't it work today we're going to talk about that right so because it should work right if it's a machine still be option should be functioning right
2: yeah it should
0: for all intents and purposes should get some heat in the middle right a fire in the middle some kind of exchange or but you do they just don't tell you right in fact, um, there is a uh, a lot of great reads out there. Um, I will come to my my uh, memory here in a second, but there are individuals that have attested that um, when you go inside the pyramid, you do feel a completely different shift of energy, right? Mm-hmm. When you go in, when you're inside the Makut, you're not feeling the same energy on the inside that you feel on the outside, right? And remember, it's been you know, and we'll talk about the let's let's continue. So nonetheless, um the pyramid, Great Pyramid has so many different uh, mathematical secrets inside of it, one of which being pi, right? One of which being um the true alignment to um alignment to true north, right? Within I'm talking about the nth of the degree, right? Within a fraction of being aligned to true north, right? Um, you know, those mathematical secrets, um by far, right? I mean, there's there's volumes and volumes of books on the pyramids, right? I have several books, right that I've researched and studied, and even still, right? it's just too much to 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 fathom. But we do know some base math base understandings about it that gives us some more elaborate kind of maybe uh, metaphysical understandings about how it works. So um number one, the pyramid is the process of what's called squaring the circle. Right And uh, squaring the circle is a way that we kind of say we, we make two worlds meet, right. The physical and the spiritual, right? The yeah. internal and the external, that which is above, that which is below, right. Um, because the square, right obviously is something that is considered to be um, oriented towards matter, right. Squares, you all, we all know, it's material, matter, you know, the four, the base four, right? And then the circle, right, is spirit, right? And my students learn a lot about this in the symbolism behind astrology, um, you know, as far as what the symbols, are, uh, the glyphs of astrology mean. But the circle always represents spirit. And we know this because the circle is just nothing but a dot extended from itself, Right, It's just enlarged or you can, you can contract the circle to a dot or expand the dot to a circle. It's the same thing Right yeah. So nonetheless, right? Understanding this right uh, the mathematics implied in squaring the circle is the same thing as the base formula of astrology Astrology is formulated from the same mathematics Right the circle is the one that we're dealing with 360 degrees, but from there The duality, the duplicitousness of life is there, right? And that process, of course, and even when you have what's called a zygote or the fertilization process, that split happens automatically. And from there, life ensues. But, you know, inside the circle, squaring the circle, you have to start with dividing the circle. And the pyramid has some very unknown factors about it most people don't know. The pyramid's face is not flat, most people think it's flat. It's not. It's actually concave, and there's a split in the middle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So each split, we're now we're talking about the duality principle within the pyramids, because now you have this circle, which is being squared. So the one now has the two sides, and it's, it's not two sides, but two within one side. Right? So now we're talking about the duality principle that is inherent in the pyramids, designed to show you perfect math, the the perfection of mathematics, right? Now, of course, the pyramid itself, the shape of it harnesses the number three as well because there's three obvious, right? It's a triangle, right, with four sides. So a triangle, three, and then four, right, which is the four elements. So the three is the three modalities of existence of, of matter, gas, earth, gas, air, and water, or Mind, body, and spirit, or uh, yin, yang, and then neutral, right? Threes, right? And mathematics and nature reveals these things on multiple levels. The four elements, obviously, would be just that. The four, it's four elements, right? Fire, earth, air, and water, right? And then the quintessential, right, is that the fifth, which is the undergirding side, right, has master control of the other four, right? So to understand that, right, the way they shaped it and the way they placed it is very specific because we're going to talk about why it aligns with certain star positions, right? So in essence, right, that pyramid has all numbers almost contained within it from one to five, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah all the way up and then five doubled on itself is ten and actually it's a dodecahedron or actually well not a decahedron but it looks like a diamond because there's things underneath it as well, right? That you don't see, right? The way this is structured. So again, right, mathematics and also geometry, which is right, using shape to control energy, right? Is a part of how the pyramid is structured. In fact, pyramids are known to have regenerative properties. In fact, if you put a razor blade inside of it, the razor blade will resharpen itself and rust will be removed. In fact, you can place fruit in there and the fruit will not rot as fast as it would on on the outside of the pyramid. So the shape has some very specific spiritual and metaphysical qualities. Well, our our nose is a a pyramid. Exactly. It's just what you see on the outside is the same shape it has on the inside. Mm -hmm. Right? Right so I mean math you know g- you know geometry you know sacred geometry is how our ancestors constructed everything right we didn't use the geometry that we use today in the sense that uh, a square is just a square right no a square has very spiritual uh, metaphysical properties to it right so you know all of these things are inculcated into the structure of the pyramid but getting deeper right um you know, this pyramid was aligned to resemble the night sky as it would look like in as of 10,000 BC, 10,500 BC. Right? It doesn't look like it did in the sky as it would as of that day, as actually as it would have looked in 10,500 BC, which is called Zeptepi or the first time. Right? And people mm-hmm. say, you know, what is Zeptepi? What is that? It's the great beginning, right? It's really when we became a civilization unto ourselves. We had Kemet long before. Kemet was Kemet long before the dynastic rule. Oh, yeah. That was the late period. That's why the the language popped up. They can't figure out how a language just pops up. It never popped up. It was being developed over time. And we always had it. We just stylized it and brought it into existence once certain periods took place. But we're going to talk about that
2: here In just a second, go ahead. Yeah, that's a um, <laughs> that's that's a silly thing. I mean, that's how they present it to you in history. Is like, you know, da da da, boom, first dynasty. Or <laughs> we we seen some. How do you go from just little clay pots to pyramids? D- it doesn't make any right. sense. Yeah, <laughs>
0: no aliens. It was aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <in>? <laughs> right. Well, they ain't um, built one yet. They came back and built one. Tell yeah. you something there, right? But anyway, and even if it was, probably noticed somebody was on the scene like we're not helping. <laughs> you got to feel this on your own if it is real. But no, we obviously, we built those pyramids and without a doubt because there's many records that attest to the fact that we did. Um, but nonetheless, getting deeper into it, right? So that's that that first time, right? Is very specific in The Night Sky because it was aligned to a time when um, Leo was in a very prominent position in the night sky. In fact, Leo was in a position in, in opposition to where uh, the, the Sphinx or the Haramarket, right, sits now, right? The, where the Haramarket sits opposite to it, rising 10,500 BC, would have been the constellation Leo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the, the night sky matches what's on the ground in the temple complex in, in the, at, at the Great Pyramid tells you something that that time was a very specific, important time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Our king's list goes back far longer than what they in, they promote and teach you, right? And uh, for the most part in the Western world, uh, our king's list goes back thousands of years. And they say so does the Sumerians. Now, Not to say that they're right, right or wrong, but I'm going to tell you something about the Sumerian timeline and the king's list. Those are astronomical figures. If you don't believe me, go check it out for yourself, right? There's no king that literally ruled for 4,320 years, but there is (laughs) 403, 4,320 years. That's a mathematical or astronomical number, right? So nonetheless, right, neither (laughs) here nor there, Uh, our king's list is pretty extensive, right? And so, um, and not to say... Our King's List could have some of those secrets embedded in it as well, but I haven't noticed the repetition of numbers in the pattern of astronomical data, not in our King's List. So yeah. um, nonetheless, right, that, fir- that first time that Zeptepi, right, is when our civilization, we could say, had a very prominent beginning or uh, when we realized that this is the area and the land and the, the the place where you know we were going to literally become um, a nation, right? And so that first time that Leo energy, which this, the the Herre Marquette or the Sphinx, right, uh, represents, right, that mastery of man's mind over his animal nature. Yeah. And so a cultivation, right, of crops begins at this time in mass. Right. Uh, this is what begins the study of science right um, we're not coming you know, man starts practical and becomes spiritual he doesn't start spiritual and become practical <laughs> yeah what doesn't go that way but when we become practical enough to spend time to contemplate the placements of the stars Mathematical equations, the fundamental nature of shapes and sounds and sizes and colors and plants and all the things that go along with creating a uh a thriving and flourishing civilization has to be done when you have time. And agriculture yeah. is the only means that can that can be done when you're hunting and gathering. Not gonna happen. Too busy. No. Right.
2: That's why. That's why. That's that's why. Our. <laughs> our buddies over here um, always stealing.
0: <laughs> right. Because
2: <laughs> <laughs> they steal, hunting and gathering.
0: <laughs> right. So, you know, it's, 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 the, the civilization for you to create, in order to create a civilization, you have to have agriculture. Right. And they talk about Asar being linked to the Zep Right. So, getting deeper in, Right. Fast-forwarding, right? About eight thousand years, right? Um, to when the times when the pyramids were being constructed, uh, we aligned them to very specific stars. Now, here's the thing, folks. Our in our language, our language. Remember, we just mentioned that eshu right Sebek on whichever you choose to call him, right? Uh, the trickster, what have you, right? The language denotes the understanding of the thing that you're studying, right? So, we don't call stars stars in Kemet, right? The proper name for them was Sabah and Sabah, right? Because we speak in ways that we kind of relate things on multiple levels, right? A Sabah is not just a quote unquote star, the trans some of the ways that we can interpret. Sabah would be instructor. In fact, one of the words for instructor was also Sabah. So a teacher is also Sabah. But a star is a Sabah. Mm. And so (laughs) a star being a Sabah. Star meaning in the sense of instructions or information. Right? Ah, so a star, to Kemet, to the Kemetians, to our ancestors was the means for instructions or communication. Hmm. Big difference in saying a star, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. So we're getting light cold transmissions, right? We're getting energy downloads, information downloads, right? From these vectors, right? And these vectors have existed for billions of years. And so since they've existed for billions of years, and man has barely yet to figure out cellular technology. So let alone starlight technology takes them a while, right? Hmm. So starlight technology, which is what the pyramids are structured around, right? Because remember, it's a large crystal, right? And crystals refract what? Light. They harness what? Light. They cultivate what? Light. Right? So, every temple in Kemet, every temple in Kemet, and I'll repeat for the third time, every temple in Kemet was aligned to a sabah or a star. Every temple, not just the great pyramids of the Mekut, the great pyramid. Every temple. Yeah. So, and I'm sorry, folks. I'm not here to beep up on. I'm just here to clear the air and make sure everything has a fair and even playing field. That's all we really want. Right. It's strange, right, how. And in fact, I'm going to read you the folks something, the people something. And I rarely do read, right, on the show. But I thought it would be pertinent for us to kind of listen to a quote Today, this is out of a book called The Orion Mystery, right? Unlocking the Secrets of the Pyramids, right? And on page uh, 182, right, we'll read, right? It's the third paragraph down. It says, it has been common sport to pit the ancient Egyptian against the the philosophical genius of the Greeks. Egyptian sages are said to have been but poor relatives to Solon, Pythagoras, Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. As for the sciences of mathematics and astronomy, experts such as Parker and Nukbauer, and trust me, folks, I'm interjecting, they're very racist, right? Parker mm-hmm. and Nukbauer, right, felt that the mathematics was rudimentary, calcu- was rudimentary calculations children of ten could cal- cal- tackle, and the astronomy simply quaint observation of the stars to interpret superstitious beliefs and the doings of the gods. Whatever skills the Egyptians might have possessed, say these say these experts, their astronomy was less developed than the, of that of the Babylonian and of the Greeks. Yet such views are at odds with what the ancient Greeks said of the Egyptian sages they made contact with in the early part of the first millennium before the common era. Here's what they say. Most ancient Greek and Roman authors believed emphatically that Pythagoras, Plato, and even Homer received their philosophy from the ancient Egyptians. Sidebar, read Stolen Legacy by George G.M. James. Uh, yeah, maybe he didn't read that, but we did. <laughs> right? And it by yeah. far concludes that Yes, the Greeks were subservient to the com- to the Comitians by way of knowledge, right? Yeah. So to continue, Diodorus, first century B.C., tells us the most educated of Greeks have an ambition to visit Egypt to study the laws and principles of a role, of a most remarkable nature. Although this country was closed to strangers, and I repeat, it says it was closed to strangers. Those among the ancients known to have visited Egypt, Orpheus, Homer, Pythagoras, and Solomon, the great Strabo, 640 B.C. To, 8 to 25 A.D. had this to say. The Egyptian priests are supreme in the science of the sky. Mysterious and reluctant to communicate. I'll repeat, what did he say? Mysterious and reluctant to communicate. They eventually led themselves to be persuaded after much soliciting to impart some of their precepts, although they concealed the greater part. They revealed to the Greeks the secrets of the full year, whom the latter ignored with as many other things. (laughs) So that shows, right? By far, right? that the people that were supposed to be the erudite ones of the day were learning their knowledge from those that were closed-lipped and they did not disclose information freely, especially to those that were uninitiated. Yeah. So,
2: I mean, you right? see this, you see, it, you, you, I mean, we have a, a more, a recent example of this with the uh, Dogons. Exactly. Where, I mean, you know, he, he prod, pride for years. <laughs> for years. Exactly. exactly. And they finally gave them a little something.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, again, right? Considering, right? All of these and things, right? When it comes to the fact that our ancestors were by far the progenitors of this knowledge. Right? Yeah. By far. Because... I couldn't find any temples in Babylon or Sumer that were aligned with any sabah or stars. Not one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not one. You would think one. They had observatories, don't get me wrong. Not systems where this whole temple was there to observe Alpha Draconis, right? And when Alpha jarconis literally, I'm talking about these temples were there for hundreds of years observing the same star. <laughs> so that's how long we studied and took note of these things on a re- on a basis from the simple fact of you walking in and out of a temple was an exchange of knowledge. Remember the fact that the the name of it, of a sabah, is sabah, meaning that you walking in and out of the transmission of knowledge even by the fact of entering the temple alone. Yeah. Right. So, again, showing that the level of knowledge that our ancestors had was by far superior to anyone at that time. And I would I would bet you my bottom dollar that we were the ones that gave many of the insights to the Sumerians on how to on how to. Uh, refine or establish the science in in, in other words we didn't just give the mathematics out freely Uh, we didn't have uh, scrolls where you just came in and read them and said, okay I know what these people are talking about so for the Nukbauer to make an assumption that because he couldn't find information that would correlate what he thought would be advanced astronomy as far as mathematics is concerned or advanced math- mathematics as far as astronomy is concerned that by way that the egyptians uh, they're rudimentary you don't become <laughs> rudimentary by building pyramids that no one else even in their day could duplicate and even today can't duplicate so i'm just saying like think about the racist remarks and process of how even the mercut is viewed upon and the knowledge that comes with it and the people that give it because if you really st- listen to what I'm about to tell you, it's going to show you that we, by, without a doubt, were the ones that had mastery over this knowledge. And the ancients attest to that. They never, the ancients never say the Babylonians were the ones that taught the, the Christians. I, I haven't found that yet. I has I think, probably has some conjecture, but I haven't found it. Right. But nonetheless, yeah. continuing, going deeper into this thing here, this Merkut. So, right it's a large crystal and crystals right they harness light so we know that a sabah right which is what the merkut are aligned to or the merkut is aligned to right sabah is an instruct it's a set of instructions or information but a sabah is also a door sabah is also a path yeah right sabah is also a conduit so boss also a channel, a portal. Well folks. Quick note. You ever watch the movies when a person dies? What do they first thing that they say they see when they die? Light. Uh-oh. Hmm.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> hmm. Hmm. And when you reach a conscious state of consciousness in this in this when you reach it voluntarily when you reach that state of consciousness, right? And you can say that, right, I've seen the other side or I've right, tasted, right, of death or I've gone through initiation, right? I've gone through the great door. The great door is death. The great initiation is death, right? Initiation is just to prepare for that moment for y'all. That's all it is, right? Because when your heart is judged on the scale, yeah. That's that's what you're preparing for. Right? That's what you're preparing for. So. That's what the science was all about. Right? Is literally becoming a divine being. Right? And when you left. You left on vectors of what? Light. You come on vectors of light. When you're born. Those vectors of light are called astrology.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. yeah yeah I mean we, we talked about it a few a few, few, shows ago um, you know I, I got the experience that you know when my daughter was born it was just like boom you know what I mean it hit the room you felt yeah. it when, yeah. when the breath when she took her first breath you felt it <laughs> yeah.
0: that's the cool that's that yeah. light right? that's that light that we bring see the cool is a resilient reflection of the bar that's all it is. And The Ba is a spark, right?
1: mm-hmm.
0: You can you can make the spark bigger, right, by becoming a divine being, right? But nonetheless, right. Back to our Merkut, right. So the pyramids, right, are aligned to star systems, right, as all of our temples were. In fact, just to go and research for yourself, the Temple of Set, the Temple of Aset, uh, in Philae right, in Kemet, was aligned to uh, the star Sirius, right, and that was in 700 BC, uh, during uh, one of our, you know, when we weren't really in power. Um, yeah. But the proper name for Sirius is Sopedit, right, and this is a star, right, that, for all intents and purposes, when, in fact, it's the brightest star in the night sky, first of all, folks, it's the brightest, right. Um, <clears throat> but, Uh, Sirius, right, is uh, respected uh, from different cultures all around the world. Um, Not just Kemet, but Kemet, of course, uh, having a great respect and profound admiration for the star, uh, so Petit or Sirius, um, they aligned it to one of the the shafts in the Great Pyramid. In fact, uh, the Great Pyramid is aligned to four specific stars, right? Uh, The... Uh, king's Chamber, which is ironically called the Sun Chamber, right? Not the mm-hmm. King's Chamber. Think about that for a minute. It's the Sun Chamber, right? <laughs> I found that out and I'm like, wait a <laughs> Here we go, right? It's the Sun yeah. Chamber. And so the Sun Chamber is aligned to, right? Uh, on the talk, which is one of the three stars in Orion's belt, right? Or really, it's aligned to Orion's belt, right? But if we really pay close attention, it would be what is called Alnitak, which is the kind of middle or left star of middle to left star of Orion's belt, right? And so, um, <clears throat> the other side, the I believe the uh, southern side, if I'm correct is aligned to um, uh, uh, the uh, Canis, Minor, Canis Minor and then the Queen's Chamber which is truly called the Chamber, the Moon Chamber or the Chamber of the Moon right is aligned to Sirius right and Alpha Draconis or uh, Draco right well the constellation Draco but the star Thuban Right, and Thuban was the pole star in the time of uh, the Commission's effect. Thuban was the pole star from uh, 4500 to right around 2000 before Common Era. Right, so we align those shafts to stars. Right, now here's some funny things about the stars that they're aligned to the Orion's Belt constellation. Right, Orion is also known as sa in Kemen, right? And Sa, right, or Sahu, but Sa proper, not Sahu, but Sa, right, right, was akin to or connect to right the netur Osar. And in fact, the term for uh, Orion in Arabic is aljibir, or aljibir, and jibir means that which has been split up or cut into pieces, right? Hmm. So that constellation is tied to, right, asar, and especially considering, right, the fact that you, <clears throat> right, are talking about that principle that was told in the story as being cut up into. 14, 14 pieces pieces
1: yep
0: right so showing that and remember the Arabs and the Arabic language is a derivative of something much older because the Arabic the people in Arab or Arabia are right next door to Kemet so all of those in that area over there right had a lot of intermixing of ideas concepts and words right yeah so <clears throat> Now we know algebra, and that's where um, they even conjecture that algebra, right, comes in because algebra, 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 right, is taking something very massive and breaking it into finite parts, right. So, right, getting deeper, right. <clears throat> the constellation right has some very um, um, astronomical. astrological imports um, it's tied to what is called Mrigashira in the nakshatra system in out of uh, uh, Jyotish or Vedic astrology and Mrigashira just like it's called Orion the hunter right well Asar right is the one that actually went out and Civilized or went out and searched and began to help man finally come to the great time, Zeptepi, of self realization and peace, harmony, agriculture, and so forth. Right? Yeah. In fact, they say that that's where kings go when they die right? <clears throat> to become a star. Right? So we know that orion right orion's belt right and asar tied in to that particular shaft in the sun chamber and so remember light is instruction so remember when you pass you see light right when you become initiated and you reach a certain level of consciousness you see light internally you begin to what have a what Aura, light, comes around you, right? So light, in fact, astrology in India is called the science of light. So these light vectors entering into a crystallized matrix by way of a sarcophagi or sarcophagus sitting there. And that sarcophagus is made of granite, which resonates and there's a whole system by way when that light enters in right and refracts in certain ways and does it. remember it's pitch black in there it's pitch black so when that light hits you think it's pitch black when it's working <laughs> and let me sidebar this the pyramid has been the the, the things that make it work has been t- they've been taken out
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right in in when you become an initiate right, initiate uh, you are taught to render magical tools useless once they have no purpose right well this is a magical tool that was used by the priest class and the initiates to gain higher levels of consciousness and to travel and gain instruction on vectors of light that's what it was right and when you come out and guess what you didn't go in from the outside you in. In from a tunnel, which is a which has a which is has a labyrinth underneath. You didn't come in from the outside. There was no way of entering from the outside. They had to bust in to get in.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: right. So it was an initiate process for you to even get into the pyramid itself. Right. In. <laughs> On the bottom of the pyramid is a statue of Osiris. Yeah. I mean, this is all there. This is all there. So you're becoming there to become a god. You're there to raise consciousness. You're there to shift your mind's eye to your inner realm to die, to come out as a god. That's one of the purposes of it. I'm sure it also heals. it's a crystal, and this is a pyramid. Right, we don't build things like this just because uh, they look nice and they uh, no, and we didn't need it for agricultural purposes because Kemet is the land of plenty.
2: Yeah, that's the whole reason
0: why they were, you know, right. So I the mean, agricultural purposes would serve no purpose, mm-hmm. none. So now we know food is not a problem, right? What is it? Well, we we were showing you right in essence what it is right and there's multiple things that it is it's not just one thing but you can count on this because there's no reason why you would have a sarcophagus sarcophagus in the sun chamber with those specific vectors of light hitting and not only that the the moon chamber is also called the regeneration chamber also i want you to know that right Think of and remember the sun chamber was probably for the process of literally raising consciousness, and the moon chamber was probably there for sustaining consciousness or to regenerate or to become healthy.
2: Yeah, right. yeah.
0: So those uh, now the other vector for uh, the king or the sun chamber is uh, the uh, Canis Minor, right? The 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 small bear, small small dog. And I haven't done too much studies on that star yet. Uh, I've, I've got to do some more research just to kind of find out what the vectors are coming from that. But I'll tell you this much. Uh, I would bet your bottom dollar has something to do with opening and closing that portal as far as the way. Right. As far as that specific star and the energies that come through it, I would bet your bottom dollar that was probably like the key access point. Because remember, in the pyramid, there's false doors.
1: Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. So, again, right. And when you understand Anpu... Opalat opening and closing of the way. In fact, you know there's a whole conjecture about one of the robots that they use, which was called Opalat, to further investigate inside the pyramids. And they didn't quite say, "I bet you what they found," but nonetheless, as a whole, another right uh, conversation. But keeping uh, in in tune, right? So the lower, right um, pyramid, the lower, excuse me, the moon chamber, right, was connected to uh, Sopdet, right. And so it was connected to the star series. Sirius. Now, look, there's a lot of knowledge out there about Sirius, y'all. Lots of knowledge. I mean, the Dogon still to this day, right, can still track, I mean, they still track it, you know, and and, and considering, right? Um, right. And, um, you know, I'm sorry, before I forget this, let me make sure I make sure this is correct. So Alpha Draconis is connected to the king's chamber or the sun chamber i'm sorry i just make sure i want to make sure I get this right so this so the albert which is the pole star at the time when we were in power um that vector was was important as far as that spiritual energy coming down from being what they call the imper they call they're called the imperishable ones right the pole stars and so, at that time, that energy of being stabilized, being focused, being connected to the to the source, right, being moved, just like a comes through that vector of Alpha Draconis. In fact, the the Draconis um, uh, 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 constellation is massive. It's a huge snake, right? Hmm. And so, um, that energy coming from that pole star through that constellation literally uh, gives them. I don't want to say dragon-like energy, but I mean, it is the energy that will sustain you for, you know, for an eternity to make you conscious of being conscious, right, in the inner planes. In fact, most spiritual work, when you become a master, is done in the inner planes, right? Yeah. So, now, alone, knowing that a Sepedet or a Sirius is tying to the Queen's Chamber, and so is uh, uh, Canis Minor, right? Uh, That lower, I don't say lower chamber or less chamber, but the queen's chamber is used for regenerative purposes. And here's the thing, Sirius is connected to Aset, right, Mm -hmm. or Isis, right, and she is the mother of all the living, right. Now, remember we said that sabahs are instructions, right, or stars are instructors, right. Now, if you ever get a chance, folks, and there's a lot of books you'll get for me to read, There's a book called The Dawn of Astronomy, A Study of Temple Worship and Mythology of Ancient Egyptians by J. Norman Lockyer. Get that book, right? In that book, he explains without a doubt and goes through all of the temples that were aligned to stars, right? But in the book, I believe on page, I want to say 228, uh, in that book, he shows, right, What's called the annual? It's on. An, it's kind of like uh, the the measurement of the fall, of the uh, rise and fall of the Nile, right? Yeah. And so, so uh, or Sirius is so important in that uh, it would time the inundation of the flood of the Nile, or the inundation of the Nile. And so again, showing that when the star, right would make it, it's helical rising, right, in the dog days in summer, right after, on page 228, he shows how the increase of the flood, the the, the, the Nile would increase, right, and overflow until all the way into, and it would do that gradually until January, taper off all the way back and down, and went until there's almost a drought right before, and then boom, again, here comes the floods, Right, So this is how it's looked upon as it's an instructor to tell us now was the time to plant. Yeah. Sabah are instructions, right? Not only in the sense of just light codes and information, but in the sense of the ability to understand cycles and the ability to understand how to use it in regards to agriculture. Right. Mm. So, we can see our ancestors knew and emphatically had an idea that these uh, sabahs are instructions, right? And portals or doors to different realities, right? Yeah. Because if that now didn't rise, you best believe it's a different reality for the next year. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, considering, right? Just understanding the import, the imports and implications of this is deep, right? Because now we're knowing that this whole machine is a god machine. It's a divine maker. It's there to make you stronger, more powerful. It's there to regenerate you amongst other things, right? And yet it could still be a power plant, the kind of power plant that doesn't use the technology that it has now because we did have electricity folks back then too. Don't believe the hype. In fact, there's a book called the african origins of electromagnetism should read it yeah right. uh, as yeah. an engineer i know you probably have that book right, <laughs> right. um uh, but,
2: <clears throat> i think i lent it to somebody a long time ago a <clears throat> long time ago f-
0: yeah it's been all around for years but still a great yeah. book to read right um mm-hmm. but you know serious you know shows you know the the, the power of inundation of life uh, the floods renewal growth fecundity Right, so that energy, that vector, and of course it's a binary star system, and then the whole star conjecture of what it is, and maybe uh, there's life there. Not, there's a whole thing about Sirius, right? But we know that it is the brightest star in the night sky, and right, that the light that comes from it was sh- was channeled into that chamber, right? And if you're your subtle body. Right your chi body right is able to absorb that and then transmit it into the physical body yeah that's that's pretty it's pretty dope, right? oh yeah, pretty dope, <laughs> but nonetheless you know um you know showing that you know, this this is, is is a spirit maker. it it is there designed to elevate your consciousness and to take those that are initiates right to the next level, and that is worth building something like that because those initiates then were the people that literally and this is i'm talking about this is in the early dynasties the early dynasties second thir- or third fourth dynasty when we were in full power so these were the hype this is the baddest dudes in kemet i mean these were the guys that literally were the spiritual stormtroopers these were the <laughs> priests of the of the temple of ra right yeah And if you understand the Temple of Ra, you don't even get into the Temple of Ra until you're a spiritual stormtrooper because you got to handle heavy duty energies. Oh, yeah. See, the Temple of Osar is for those that are doing the long path. The Temple of Ra is the short Mm path.
2: That's why I hurt somebody. <laughs> right.
0: hurt yourself but, those that and, and it makes perfect sense because those are in the temple of the short path wouldn't you want a shorter path right mm-hmm. when you want a path that's going to bypass and man throw me in there I'm ready I'm ready for the let's say like in the Jedi I'm ready for the trials right ready to start with, yeah. I'm ready for the trials ready for trials we got to sleep in there for three days
1: hmm <laughs> hmm <laughs>
0: no light no food no bathroom just you and you <laughs> right and you you and you and the rest of the you's <laughs> right? and you, you're going to deal with those you's one way or another you're going to come out mad you're going to come out mm. a little disturbed <laughs>
1: right
0: but if came out right you're a god and see, the gods—they didn't play with men, so they were not walking around the people and hanging out. In fact, remember the priests were tight-lipped already, right? Yeah. So imagine what's cracking off in them pyramids. You know, they gonna tell you. No.
1: <clears throat>
0: but uh, a metaphysical mind, a spiritual mind, a mind that understands the the mentality behind our ancestors and what African spirituality is, then you know what it is. Right. You can see. doesn't take much. And you start studying the inner structure of it, you'll see those light vectors, right, produced radiations that changed your consciousness. Now, back to the astrology piece, because, right, it gets real deep when we ta- start talking about light, and light codes and light information and shifting consciousness and traveling and doing all kinds of stuff. Because remember, right, in the spirit, right, we you can do all there's all kinds of realities that are valid that are not valid here. So who's to say we don't travel? Who's to say that we can't communicate to beings that maybe are extraterrestrial? But it's not uncommon or unfathomable to us because we know that everything in nature is has a consciousness anyway. Even the rock that they use, right? I mean, you know what's so special about granite? granite right is radioactive right it's radioactive so it the granite in the in the pyramid is radioactive (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and then you place that with limestone right which is an insulator and limestone right is made in water Right? And water, right? Limestone. And where is granite made out of? Fire. So you have water and fire, the vibrations of those things inherent in the rock. And that water and fire creates that oscillation, which creates a pattern, a vibration in the thing. That's why when you're inside of it and it ain't even on, you feel it. Hmm. It says it's a pyro what? Mid. Mid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you see what I mean? This, this, spit. It's, 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 if you really meditate on it and, and go deep in understanding what was what, desi- what it was designed for, you know what it's for. Right? Yeah. Right, but the uninitiated, you know, oh, it's a granary. <laughs> they had grains underneath, and because the pyramid saves grains and you know, That's
1: That's
2: it. That's a. That's a. Oh, 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 uh, lab- a labor <laughs> Expensive um, Silo
1: <laughs> fancy no, it's silo it's a
0: tombstone <laughs> <laughs> It's a tombstone Yeah they buried the dead there <laughs> Not okay. one body's been found Not one
1: <laughs>
0: And we know We found the body Of the man who built it <laughs> He wasn't nowhere oh. near it Yeah man You see what I'm saying It's interesting it's, You know just <laughs> little things to think about. But, nonetheless, we'll leave it at that, right? I think we've had a decent show so far today, right? Indeed. Uh, we can go much deeper, folks, and uh, in, in not even scratch the surface, right? We haven't even talked about the Ben Ben stone, right? We even talked about the inscriptions on the Ben Ben stone, right? Check it out, right? You might be surprised to find something astrological or astronomical in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, right? Our ancestors right and, and and here's the thing when you did see it you knew something about it was special because it radiated right imagine walking up to something pure white I'm talking about pure white in the comparison <laughs> of the surrounding area with a diet with a with a with a, with a gold tip
2: come on you think marble floors look good
0: what? <laughs> i mean and to be next to it when it's on oh no nah. you'd be like yeah that thing's vibrating something and that's why the priest class were viewed upon like gods because of the knowledge that we contain in order to create something of, of that nature yeah right so we had uh sorry nuke bauer we had mathematical equations quite exquisite It just was the priest class was smart enough not to let nuke bowers and (laughs) Ptolemies and things get inside to figure out how to turn it on. Uh. (laughs) Because if we put Trump in there, he'd disintegrate. Right?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Right? Turn it on! (laughs) I'm ready. It's just nothing. It's a great machine, it's a great thing. <laughs> see hey, can you put that inside? Can you see how you can get that inside? I can get inside. Hey, let me get <laughs> And the next the you know, poof, orange hair is gone, right? <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> right. So you can't give the people the keys to the machine. Right, they'll hurt themselves. Right. Indeed. Indeed. So nonetheless, right, I think we have like I said we had an excellent show. Uh, I've enjoyed really digging into it and like I said, we may even have a part two. I think we will, maybe uh, in the end of the season, or maybe even next season, we'll really go deeper and kind of study some more implications of the actual chamber, not only the chambers, but the uh, the halls and the seven uh, levels that they have, Uh, six, which including a a hidden seventh. Again, showing some other things that are going on inside there, uh, metaphysically speaking. But uh, we will definitely, again, like I said, we'll touch on this and, and go deeper uh,
2: in another episode absolutely absolutely so you know um, once again I want to remind you all that this episode was brought to you by Pushy Forward Media Group and Caliprucia Astrology and our, our good patrons on the um, Patreon oh and speaking of our patrons we, we, we got we got a question
1: <laughs> oh yeah let's do that
2: uh, yeah, yeah let's just knock that out real quick so um, first question is, what's the significance of having the sun and the moon in the ascendant? Hmm. <clears throat> well,
0: uh, you know, that's a, that's a, it's kind of a, a, of a, uh, question that is kind of a, similar to a reading, if you will. Yeah. And, um. I don't typically do those just because it's not fair right uh, to the individual that you're looking at it's not fair to the science it's not fair to yourself because you get short by trying to kind of coalesce uh, generalities but let's just say for the sun and moon right we won't yeah. say what the implications of it is uh implication of being an ascendant is, and the reason is, is because the sun and moon are planets that rule one particular house and one particular sign, and because of the uh, importance of that in a chart, uh, we have to know the ascendant and other placements that really would give us key notes of what that really means, because it's not all the same for everybody, but yeah. for the sun and moon to be conjunct uh, is what we consider what is called a new moon, right? Yeah. Uh, And a new moon in astrology is a time uh, where obviously, one, uh, we're about to have a new moon on the 21st when it is conjunct Rahu, which is what we call an eclipse. So you're talking about um, something that produces eclipses, right? So uh, the moon and sun typically being in the same house same sign within a good amount of degrees together shows someone that is very determined and self-confident in fact to the point they don't like anyone to give any type of external input or interjection to their um, um, endeavors right they're very self-sufficient the mind being the moon sun being soul being in the same house Uh, it does limit the breadth, right, of an individual many times for the expansion, uh, kind of um, range of actions in consciousness. So they become localized and very much uh, monopolar in regards to their actions, right? So um, they become focused, very, very can be very focused, very, very, very concentrated in certain things. Um, but again, that can be very positive if you're doing something that is tangible and has um, closed-knit circuits, closed systems, right? Uh, it's not an open system, but when you're talking about life, uh, this can be challenging. Um, being born during a new moon, the moon is dark, right? So a dark moon, in essence, right, can also be what is called a malefic in astrology. And malefics can tend to tend, tend to uh, do things to cause us situations where we have to learn certain lessons to wake up from the somber that we're in. So yeah. hopefully that gives some interjection on the sun and moon conjunction, but in the ascendant would be a kind of a uh, a per case scenario, if you know what I mean.
2: Indeed, indeed, indeed. All right. Well, hopefully that 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 you know settles that real quick and you know again y'all keep you know coming with the questions and you know we'll answer them the best way we can um and again you know if um you're um, looking to get consultations you know um definitely reach out to brother Ra on his uh you know various um methods of communication all right
0: indeed take a class that's what we do right we unpack these things I can tell you that the students that are in my class are having a good time, right, enjoying learning the science, the fundamentals of Jyotish. So if this is something you want to learn, you want to know, you want to explore, uh, folks, come to the class, right? Uh, there's going to be another class starting very, very soon. It will be on Sundays. The one, current one is on Saturdays. Um, so if you're interested, let me know. Um we definitely can discuss costs when you reach out to me. Um, and again, uh, like I said, if you, if you if you, you know, don't take my word for it, um, you know, ask people that, you know, taking a course. What do they think? Uh, are they getting their money's worth? I've been told that I'm underselling my information and services, but I'm here to just help people become avid learners and avid practitioners. That's my joy, right? So, you know, by all means, take advantage and uh and come, uh, come learn.
2: Indeed, indeed. So, with that being said, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back here um, next week with another great show. Um, you know, want everybody to make sure you stay safe out there. Um, you know, just be mindful of the climates, so keep your your eyes open and everything like that. And, um, you know, reach out to us, follow us on um, at Cosmic Convos on Instagram and, you know, um, hit up that Patreon, you know, um, DM us, email us and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to, uh, you know, take care of you. All right. So, you know, with that being
1: said, we're out of it. Peace. Peace.